We stand today. The Business Method the business with method. a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that produce over a million dollars and annual revenue and now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results economies and cultures there's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this happen now let's jump in today's show the business method Many of you know the company Mindvalley. They are without a doubt one of the most popular and fastest growing personal development companies in the world today. Today is a special show because we got the chance to sit down with the wild card of Mindvalley, Jason Campbell. And yes, that's really his title. Jason and I start our chat talking about his process of leaving the world of entrepreneurship because he had such a strong desire to work with this company. He had a successful business and chose to leave that business to work for Mindvalley. Most people are shocked at this reaction, but once you start to understand the inner workings of Mindvalley, you quickly begin to realize that for many, this is a really smart move. Mindvalley catapults its employees' careers and lives to a completely different level. They are incredibly passionate about helping their employees accomplish their dreams, even if their dreams take them away from the time with the company. This creates very passionate promoters and employees at the company and thus makes Mindvalley grow faster and better. Today, we will chat with Jason about how Mindvalley creates and launches products, about their team building and company culture, their very interesting and successful hiring and firing process, and what Jason would implement if he were building a remote team. Without further ado, let's welcome Jason Campbell to the show. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, I'm really happy and excited to welcome live... A live interview, but we're not posting live. Jason Campbell, the wild card of Mind Valley. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show, Chris. Um, so we're here at Freedom X Fest, and we're actually in the middle of the Catalan Mountains, Pyrenees Mountains, in the north of Spain. And uh, Freedom X Fest is is a fest a festival for location independent people. And there's probably how many people do you think are here? I think I've seen at least four to five hundred. Four to five hundred. That's a good number. And it's a pure festival. I kind of feel like I'm at a um, what's that that big EDM festival? Tomorrowland festival. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except we're talking about business. Exactly. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're talking about other stuff. But they have volleyball and they have painting and they have amazing people here. Um, the founder of Couchsurfing. Um, somebody from Facebook is here. I don't know if you met them. Uh, Liam Martin, who was on the show, and then of course Jason Campbell, who is the wild card of Mind Valley. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new title we just assigned, but I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you actually flew in just for a couple of days from from uh, Malaysia. And uh, how's your experience been here? 
Uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, we came in very late on the Monday, and uh, once you got here, you realize you're so high up in the mountains, and the whole space is amazing. Like, you got breathtaking views. Yeah. It's unfortunate nobody can see what we're seeing right now, but we're right on the edge of a cliff, seeing all these mountains. Uh, in the morning, you're just above the clouds. Yeah. Um, went downstairs. Everybody here is quite fantastic to get to know. Um, just great people. Um, got a chance to see a few of the workshops. Uh, yesterday I had a chance to do a panel on the future of education, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a good time. And it's uh, it's nice that the internet is actually quite fluctuant here. And yeah. so it gives you a bit of a digital detox in the process. So I'm embracing <laughs> that fully. What's your Tell us about the panel you did, the future of education. Yeah, so we were on a panel where we talked about, you know, where's, you know, a lot of people are looking to reinvent education and Mind Valley being one of the players that's got its own vision of what we want to create as the future of education. So on the platform, we had both people coming from a business point of view of what they're creating to move the needle on the future of education. Like what are the things we need to change to the curriculum? What are things that are bad within the system? What are things we need to keep within the system? And we talked a lot about the challenges that mostly the administrations and the governments have with modernizing their education system. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of walls there. There is a lot of walls. And we talked about some of the bigger challenges, which is the lack of case studies. Uh, I mean, the government's not like they're trying to not do a good job on education. It's just it's so risky if you don't have the case studies. And what's fascinating for the digital nomads is we had some parents there that are doing homeschooling or they're doing alternative schooling, and they're creating the case studies. And uh, we talked a lot about Finland doing massive innovation in the education space. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mindvalley's had the luxury of starting to work with them where we're integrating some of our courses into their curriculum to really transform lives. What do you think? Uh, you you went to high school in Ottawa? Uh, well, actually, I'm from a very small village east of Ottawa. So okay. population 1,000. Okay. And so I went to high school there. I went through a traditional education system. Yeah. And I have to admit, I, I don't think I had a terrible upbringing through that system yeah um mind you you know it's there, there's a part of me that says everyone gets a perfect education there's going to be some challenges you're going to go through and some of it will be below you know the necessary like you could have the most enlightened education but sometimes it's through those challenges that you actually get to learn the most sure that's a good point really good point um so i have no regrets through my education if if you were gonna like say you had some children in the future and what type of educational model or let me ask you this what do you think because I had a tradi- traditional education in Missouri also. What do you think um, those models lacked? I think they lacked a lot of, you know, what are the necessary skills you need to know to live an extraordinary life? Mm-hmm. I think the curriculum is perfect to design people to work within an existing system that needs workers to fill jobs. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, we've witnessed over the years, and I think this pace is just simply going to exponentially get faster, where the definitions of what a job is is very much changing. Mm-hmm. New jobs are existing, old ones don't exist anymore. So the traditional system was great to kind of train us into these different types of molds that society needed. But there wasn't as much into the curriculum about, okay, what does it mean to you know question why are we here? What does it mean to understand my health and fitness outside of the governmental dogmatic yeah. procedures on health and fitness? Like, I don't know, you probably were from the same generation where they showed you the, the wheel that showed you what food groups you were supposed to eat <laughs> and course, only to yeah. realize that you had it upside down. <laughs> right. Uh, and that's crazy, right? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of lack, like, because everything is about, you know, follow the orders, follow these instructions, copy these notes, memorize this and learn it. And it gets people to be very compliant. Mm-hmm. And I think if we introduce a lot more concepts that are about how to question everything, 
makes people a lot more creative and a lot more in charge of their own education. And if we can give them that power, I think it'll make education a lot more exciting. One thing I've learned from organizations very similar to Mind Valley, personal development organizations, is that, um, and actually we talked about this with Fission, is that, um, you know, it's attitude, right? You guys at Mind Valley, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you you hire on attitude and not necessarily skills or resume. And I noticed that, like, you know, our high, my high school would train me on skills, right? But they still lack some skills. Like, they don't teach us about communication. That's massively important in a human being's life. They don't teach us, teach us about money, except they taught us how to balance a checkbook, which is no longer applicable these days, you know. And so those are, like, when I, when I finished college, like, they were teaching me what a mortgage was. And I'm like, what? You know, I'm <laughs> like, you know what? I think you're lucky. Yeah. I've never had a class that teaches me how to balance a checkbook. <laughs> I had no class that told me what does it mean to have credit card debt? Right. What is a mortgage? Right. I've, I've self-learned those things. Yeah. And, you know, it's fascinating to me. I remember the first time I got a credit card. Um, you know, I, I must, I think it comes from the fact that my dad was an entrepreneur who probably instilled these kinds of beliefs. But I remember getting a credit card. They're like, don't get into debt. But a credit card was super powerful because I could just spend everything on a credit card, but I would never carry a balance. I would only spend what I had in my checking account because I understood that interest rates suck. Yeah. You don't want to be paying that. But then I, you know, I'd meet my friends in their mid twenties, almost early thirties as well going like, Oh yeah, I make the minimum payment and it's fine. And I'm like, wait, what? I did that. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> what? And then they're like, yeah, and I'm looking for these investment opportunities that might pay me 10%. I'm like, here's a great one. Pay off the credit card. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> that stuff is at like 18, 25%. Like, yeah. that's crazy. So those things I find are lacking for sure. So let's talk more about you because we have actually quite a bit in common. And um, your story, as you were telling me before the show, uh, was really inspiring even before you made it to Mind Valley. And uh, so I'd like to learn how you became the entrepreneur and then becoming the entrepreneur that you are today. Ooh, so how far back do you want to go? Well, where was a pivotal moment, like a benchmark moment that kind of sparked it all for you? Yeah, I, you know, one thing that took me off of the traditional path, I always think of the story when I was about to graduate from college. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I need to find out what kind of career I wanted to have. So I went to those career fairs. And then I, I remember going to various booths and, um, uh, I forget what the name of the company that does like rental of power tools was there. Uh, like, <laughs> really? Like, I don't know if it's still like Stanley or something. Like yeah, something like that. See, I don't even remember, <laughs> but it was like, Hey, we have a management training program. You can uh -huh. become a person that sells power tools. I was like, all right, I could do that. Then I remember going to a Sherwin Williams, um, entrepreneur like right. booth and they were like, Hey, you know, you get to go through our management training program. So, and that excited me. I was like, I want to go through an accelerated path to learn. And I remember I'm like, okay, I'm learning. I'm like, okay, if I'm going through this accelerated management training program, I'll probably make a lot of money at the end. And then I look at their salary brackets and the top tier was like 45,000 a year. Uh -huh. And I'm like, hell no. Like, <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I want to make a lot of money. Like, and I was at that, like I was hungry. Right. And it just, it was actually by luck that I got myself into a real estate company mm -hmm. where the founder's son was very entrepreneurial and he sat me in a table and he's interviewing me and he's like you seem to have a good chops for sales here he's like we're going to put you on the phones and he's like all you're going to do is get on these phones and you're going to call these people that ask for real estate information and you're going to book appointments mm -hmm. and there's something fascinating about getting on the phone 100 times a day and facing rejections yeah and actually detaching the rejection being not a rejection of you 
but really just a rejection for the timing and the offer that you're making. Yeah. So to me, that was important. I can't tell you that that was not how it went on the first call. (laughs) (laughs) The first call is the scariest. Oh my God. Like I picked up the phone. I'm like, hi, this is Jason. I'm calling on behalf of ABC real estate. And I'm, I just want to let you know that we have a report that came in the mail. Is that okay? They're like, yes, thank you. And they hang up on me. And then the (laughs) boss walked in right then and I'm like sweating. I'm Uh, nervous. And they're like, no, no, I swear. That's not how it usually goes. (laughs) Um, but it taught me, you know, I was working commission on that. Mm-hmm. And then I understood like, okay, I can be in control of my finances. And I had that experience to understand the value of, of sales and going through that process of telephone sales, actually what was invaluable to my experience. And then from there, I ended up getting into some bigger types of opportunities and I went down the real estate path. Yeah, um, That was fascinating because this was back in 2010 and uh, the US had a slight meltdown when yeah. it came to the real estate market. Oh, I know. Um, so I found myself uh, building a company to buy U.S. real estate, and I was buying these distressed assets, renovating them, putting tenants in place, and then packaging them as investment properties turnkey Nice. and selling these back to Canadians who were looking for investment properties. That's smart. And this was the gold rush for Canadians because our dollar was bigger than the U.S. dollar, so mm-hmm. like money was flooding south. Um, so I did that for a couple months, and you know, I, I wish it could be – I could say it's all sunshine and rainbows how that went down. Um, but it was through an, an, you know, real estate education program and the company that fulfilled the coaching services that I had hired to learn how to do this, uh, only to find out, you know, after learning everything and doing a few of the transactions that a lot of what they were teaching me was completely wrong. Ooh. Yeah. Why? And it was just not the right information. It was cutting corners on everything and uh-huh. it was just really dirty way of doing real estate. Oh man. And a lot of the stuff that I'd been taught, I realized I needed to go back to the drawing board and relearn, relearn it. Yeah. That was the best thing that ever happened in my life. I also worked, so I worked for a mortgage company for a year and nine mm-hmm. months in 2005, 2006 in Phoenix during that meltdown that mm-hmm. you mentioned. And uh, it was a dirty company. Yeah. <laughs> and they would literally, so my first day, um, the my trainer, which was the former ex or not the the former husband, the ex-husband of the owner, Mm. uh, which was a woman in her 30s. And he um, would brag about, you know, he made 70 grand that month. And he would tell us, you know, his tricks and everything he used. And pretty pretty soon we figured out that, like, this guy was highly unethical. This woman came in to, I kid you not, refinance her home to get money because she had to have brain surgery. Mm. And he lied to her about the, the interest rate in the arm on the loan to make sure that he got more fees and he got more money on the back end. Wow. Flat out lied to her. And then he would brag about it in the office. Wow. And after this, like I, I was like, I've got to get out of this environment. It was a, it was a just really bad place. It's, it fascinates me how far people can be unethical in this yeah. industry. It like it's, justify it's, it. Yeah. it very much justify it. And you know, in the process for me, I kind of went into a depression. Yeah. Um, me too. I, yeah. Like I, I was like, oh my God, like this is not the legacy I want to leave just taking advantage of these people. I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. um, but I had to learn. Yeah. That's why I say it's the best thing that happened to me because I had to learn everything from scratch. Um, in the process, I got hired. So I sold the business to my business partner. Uh-huh. He continued operating the real estate. I got hired by the company that was designing these educational material and programs for Canadians. And I got to contribute all of the learnings that I had so that nobody else had to go through the same crap. You that knew I exactly did. what not to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a very interesting time in shaping my own character uh-huh. uh, because I didn't want to be someone that, you know, oh, yeah, I got tricked. So I'm just going to like 
leave everything behind and not take care of responsibility for it. Right. I knew I wanted to make sure I got everything settled the proper way. Yeah. And that's why I was so diligent and I learned so fast because that pushed me. Um, and so I'm very grateful for that part. And then I got a chance to design the programs. That's amazing. Um, How long did you do that for? About two years. Yeah. Yeah, for two years. Uh, and then in the process, I, I found myself reading a very interesting book that some of the audience members, I'm sure, have heard of called The 4-Hour Workweek. I've heard of this book. <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Ferris had a profound impact on my life. What year was this, roughly? Oh, good question. This was end of 2012, beginning 2013. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah that's it. Uh, maybe even 2011. Uh, yeah, so I'm mixing my dates. No worries. That being said, I read that book. I'm like, wow, there's some really interesting ways I could redesign my life. I don't want to work the nine to five anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I already had a big entrepreneurial kind of role within the company. And I went to my boss and I used directly one of the strategies from this book. I said, hey, listen, I want to renegotiate my salary. And then he's like, you're making a lot of money already. <laughs> He's like, what do you want? You know, you're like one of the best treated employees here. I'm like, I'd like to be paid half. Paid in half, cut in half. Cut it in half. Really? And he's like, keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> so His I ears, said, ears perk up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, pay me half and um, and let me um, let me work from home. What did he say? He said, let's give it a try. And I said, I'll still deliver the same things that I deliver. Wow. And uh, in the process, I moved to Southeast Asia. Yeah. Because I went to school there when I was 20. So I had a ton of friends in Bangkok. Okay. So I moved there and reconnected with my friends. and I To Bangkok. To Bangkok. Okay. And I realized the cost of living there is one third. Mm -hmm. So being paid half didn't mean much. Yeah. I actually was richer there. <laughs> and so I lived there for about four or five months um, as I was coaching people that were starting off these real estate businesses. I was still doing some work on some projects that the company was going through. And yeah, I found myself working four hours a week. And... Um, and at that point, I realized, okay, this is a great lifestyle. Like, you know, I could hang out with friends. I could go out, have fun. I could, uh, I was in the best shape of my life because I could actually spend time in the gym. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, is this it? Yeah. You know? Um, so it was a very interesting place to find myself where I had financial abundance and time abundance. And there was still something missing. And I realized at that point that what I wanted to do is kind of fill, fill one of those categories, which is like find significance and do contribution. Mm -hmm. um, and I was already a big fan of Mind Valley. They had this blog called Mind Valley Insights that I followed religiously. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, wow, this company looks so amazing on the internet. Yeah. And that was as far because I knew how people could do things online and make themselves appear a certain way that I was very skeptical at anything that looked too good to be true now. And it just so happened one of their emails was like, hey, you can come visit the office in Kuala Lumpur. It's about a two-hour flight. I'm like, great. So I flew Why down, not? went to check it out. And when I walked through that office, I'm like, wow, okay, this is the real deal. There were like hundreds of people that are working on crazy cool projects, and I wanted in. Mm. And I'm like, this is my next big step. So I just went from there. I applied. And uh, it's been almost five years I work there. Yeah. Um, and to me, that was just the best decision I could make because, you know, I could go back down the entrepreneurial route and I'll be quite honest. I sometimes question myself is like, am I holding myself <laughs> back? Yeah. You know, cause I know I can be an entrepreneur. I can, I know I can do a lot of amazing things yet. I choose to be a part of mind Valley. Yeah. And you know, the story I tell myself, which is what keeps me going is I, I'm part of this, this bus, this magic school bus that's going places mm -hmm. and the ways that they're going there and the reach that they're looking to have is far beyond any of the streams I've ever had within my own entrepreneurial journey. 
So I want to ride this bus. Yeah. Fact is, vision's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he wants yeah. to impact a billion lives. And when yeah. he says it, you know he's going to get there. Oh, yeah. So you can tell. Yeah. I want in. Um, so that's where I've been. Well, that's that's interesting. I love the way you put that because I've met, uh, we've had other people on the show, Derek Pankyle being one of them, um, who have made a lot of money as an uh, entrepreneur, done well for themselves, and then decide to uh, work with a company. But the thing is, is like, why not? If if it's the right thing to do for you, you can always go back to entrepreneurship. Like it's the home that with the welcoming family, you know. <laughs> you and if you've had success in the past, you know how to recreate it in the future. And Mind Valley is not your common company. They're doing things for their employees that uh, 99.9% of the, the companies going out uh, out there are not doing. It's not like you're going back to the nine to five corporate corporate world selling insurance. Well, I am here with you in Barcelona. You, yes, <laughs> yes, we're in the middle of nowhere and uh, talking about this stuff. But um, from from what I know of Mind Valley and and hearing it from Vision's mouth is that the way that you guys set the bar for the employees there is high, but also at the same time, Vision is setting you up for whatever success that you guys want. So like people have had TED Talks that have worked at Mind Valley, went on and created their own successful seven, eight figure businesses that have worked at Mind Valley. And that's what he wants. And, and when people ask him, like, why are you doing this? He says, because uh, the best marketing for amazing employees that you can do is to make them as successful as they can be because even you can tell by your passion about mind valley like even if you leave 10 years down the road if you meet somebody who is in the place that you are who has had success as an entrepreneur you're like you know what maybe it's time for you check out and you work for mind valley and then you being a a person to look up to would say hell yeah why not why wouldn't I? Or why wouldn't why wouldn't I refer you to Mind Valley? You know, so I'd like to learn a bit more of that. What was it like for you? So you left the the entrepreneur world, started with Mind Valley. What was the first few months like for you there? Um, well, what's funny is that before I joined Mind Valley, I was not someone into mindfulness at all. Really? No, yeah. I had never meditated in my life. Yeah. My first experience meditating was before I joined Mind Valley. I went to A Fest. Which okay. is the festival that they do out in Bali, and this was in 2013. Was it a shock to you? It was, but I was very ready for it. Okay. Um, and then I went through, I remember doing the six-phase meditation, which yeah. is a meditation that Vision did. I do that every day now. Right? Yeah. Well, I did it, at, when I joined Mindvalley, I ended up doing it every day for three weeks. Yeah. And I got promoted within three weeks being at my valley. Um, so I joined. because you were so good at loyal at doing the meditation, uh, that's it. Yeah, Vision's like, I like you. You listen to my voice every morning. <laughs> no, it's such a great voice. It's yeah. such a beautiful voice. Uh, it's funny because nobody could know. I didn't know where the hell Vision was from because I didn't understand his accent. Right. right? Yeah. I was like, oh, it's so exotic. Um, <laughs> No, what happened is I joined the launch team, so I was going to do some product launches. Uh, I, I know marketing and sales is something I understand quite well. So I joined there. I started working on the first product launch, and I remember sitting into a team meeting, and they're saying, hey, uh, nobody, uh, the person that was leading the entrepreneurship division is actually going into uh, traffic team and doing some advertising, and so there's going to be an open position, and it's going to be open to anyone. Anyone who wants to apply can go through an interview round. I've been there for like two, three weeks. I'm still on probation. I'm just like, I, I, I meet Vision in the hall. I'm like, Vision, I know you're opening this up for hiring, but I'm just going to tell you right now that I'd be the best person to do this job. Nice. And he's like, okay, we'll go through the process and apply. And I go through the people and I got it. 
Beautiful. And so where I used to look up to My Valley Insights of that blog that really brought me in, now I became responsible for it and the product called Zentrepreneur, uh-huh. um, which was our entrepreneurship division. So that was amazing. I got a chance to take over that for a couple of years. So I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, so that was my first few months. Then right when I got in there, I knew that I had experience building what is a subscription product. Mindvalley at that point did not have any subscription product, really? no memberships. Really? And for me, the first thing that I did, because I think like an entrepreneur. So the first thing I started thinking when I took this division that was in its infancy, I'm like, we need to have predictable cash flow coming in so I can hire some employees on a predictable rate. So then I went to Vision. I'm like, we need to create a product that's on a monthly recurring basis so that I know I have a baseline of income coming in consistently so we can grow the team. And they're like, okay, let's try this. <laughs> and I ended up launching initially that was called Zentrepreneur for Startups. Uh-huh. And it was making a lot of our content uh, available to people that were just starting off as digital uh, entrepreneurs, nomads, um, online businesses. And that was a good success. And then it actually allowed us to tier our core Zentrepreneur product into an elite membership. And we had these events. Um, and that's a lot of what I ended up doing in the first years uh, is building that up. Then we started adding a lot more membership products. And then the whole shift and wave around memberships uh, kind of came by storm in 2015 or so. Yeah. Uh, and that that was something I was quite proud of bringing into the Mind Valley ecosystem. Um, did that for a while. And then I ended up, so this division kind of got put on hold because Mind Valley realized that you know, the online marketer space was not a space that we wanted to play in. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it came with a heavy heart when I had a plan to really scale this up. And they're saying, you know what, we'd like to redirect the resources into our core business, which is a lot of the personal growth. And so at that point, we kind of sunset those products and kind of put them on on perpetual like standby. And yeah. they relocated me to go back into the core business. Uh, and then I got back into leading some of the product launches and bring a lot of innovations there. Um, then I land, I launched my own product, which is impact at work. And here is where we talk about how do you give the types of skills and knowledge for people to be the best version of themselves, whether they're an entrepreneur, an employee, a freelancer, a volunteer, it doesn't matter what you do. What are the skills you need to be the best version of what you want to do so you can make the best impact in the world? Yeah. And this is what I've been doing as a co-host with Vision. Um, he does his consciousness engineering. I do the impact at work, which are the two programs that we have bundled within the Mind Valley tribe membership. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of the journey. In between, I ran the events team uh, when we had to launch our Mind Valley U initiative, um, and then they were like, "Okay, we need to do this month-long event. How do we market it? How do we get this going?" And that's, I think, this is where we, we came up with the title Wildcard. Yeah. My my role in Mind Valley these days is usually Vision. I, I sit with him every quarter. I'm like, "Is there something that needs attention?" And he'll say, can you jump into this? And I'll say, no problem. So I jump into a lot of different divisions. And when things need to get done, I'll come in and I'll help, you know, rally the troops. I'll understand where the gaps are and really push some resources towards it. One thing that really impressed me, Jason, was the the bar that they that Mind Valley sets for the employees there. And um, <clears throat> I understand it that if, you know, uh, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And the process that Mind Valley goes through when um, hiring people, but also letting them go, was a very—I guess you could say—compassionate but understanding process. And I, I'm curious if you don't mind talking a little bit about um, the process, that the hiring process as you go through, but also the firing process, because I know that's a huge thing for entrepreneurs and what holds them back. And we'll talk about some more barriers later. People are just. You know, they work with a person, they become friends with a person, and then they're scared to fire that person yeah. or just let them go. And you guys have a really good process with that. So if you don't mind sharing with that. Um, let's start with the hiring. Okay. Um, and with the hiring process, you mentioned how we actually look for the um, 
what we call it is a culture fit. So when somebody applies, um, the first round of interviews isn't with the department that they want to be hired into. It's actually with our, our human resources team or our talent team. And what they do is they look for culture fit. So what are the kind of attitudes and, and, and behaviors that this person has so that regardless of the role that they would have, would they be a fit with the culture? And that's super important as a filtering. Um, because if you start, you know, we have a concept where you have someone that's a culture misfit but is highly effective it actually grows within the organization like a cancer. Oh, that's a really good way to put it. And, yeah. and uh, Eric Strauss, which is our COO, um, he actually put together a talk that talks about how the, not having the right culture fit but being very productive is one of the biggest uh, holdbacks for organizations because whether they produce a lot, and you'll typically see this on a sales team, you'll have this top producer, but what you don't realize is if this person is a culture misfit and he's creating alienation within the entire team, yeah, he's bringing in a bit of results, but at a compromise that you can't even measure mm-hmm. that's holding the organization back. Yeah. Um, so that step is critically important. And once they've passed the culture fit, then they get into the direct teams and they go for like this minimum skills uh, and then, you know, creative application of what they need to do as a job comes second. And what you look for when you hire is attitude, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the, the culture fit comes, it, it's very much, uh, it's an attitude assessment. Uh-huh. We just call it culture fit internally. Um, so that's critically important. Uh, on the firing side, this is really interesting because, um, uh, and it's it's funny you bring this up because I was just talking with Ezekiel, which is our head of HR, uh, and Ezekiel talked about how he actually loves firing people. <laughs> but the way you guys do it, like, well, yeah, here's the yeah. thing: you would think like, what an evil person. Right. No, he is a great person. Yeah. And what happens is he understands that when you keep someone into the company that you know you need to let go, you're being very selfish. Yeah. Yes you're holding that person back for their next breakthrough. And so what happens is he has the conversations with the people and make them understand. And typically people want to leave themselves because they come to an understanding as to why the path has come to an end for both. Um, and so he he truly understands the fact that, and he does it with you know, love and compassion because having a short conversations, you realize with that person, like, hey, you sound like you need to go on your journey. And the longer you stay here, the more you're holding yourself back. And it's also holding the company back. Yeah. And, you know, people come to a clear understanding that their journey b- belongs outside of Mind Valley. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is a great process. And, you know, for the people that go through that, uh, it's a great revelation for themselves as well. It's usually just a question of mirroring back some of their own behaviors and understanding what is the root of that. And a lot of that is because inside they have some sort of conflict that makes them attached to the identity that you have of being an employee of Mind Valley, mm. as opposed to the calling that's really bringing you to somewhere else, but you don't want to let go in the fear of change. So you need someone to mirror that back. And that's a lot of what happens in the firing process. Wow. And I imagine he's an amazing individual to have a conversation like that. And then the person understand, okay, you're right. I do need to leave. Like there's something else out, out there for me. Yeah, it's a it's a take from a person if you're keeping them in a company that you know they're not supposed to be a part of. Yeah, you can even think about it in the same way in relationships. Yes, yes. and it's and it's a, it's a, it's incredible how much relationships and entrepreneurship are very similar. You bet, right? right? You know, and and those are those are touchy subjects when emotions are involved and and money's involved and mm-hmm. identities involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What would you say, like, if you Right now, what would you say is your biggest takeaway from working with Mind Valley? Oh, I'd love to share this. Unfortunately, it's not going to be as 
it's business oriented, but it's mostly my own journey. Okay. Um, and it's interesting. Like I said, I had no mindfulness training before coming into Mind Valley. Um, and I have to confess that for the majority of the time that I was at Mind Valley, I kind of felt like I was this um, this superhero that had all his things put together that was coming into the company and blessing all of the clients <laughs> with these amazing transformational tools that I wouldn't consume myself because I was better than that. Oh, interesting. And I came from a very ego position. Mm -hmm. And being in Mind Valley, being into that environment, um, has brought in a lot of opportunities for that to be poked at. And I've had some things happen in my life where then I realized, like, wow, I am not the center of the universe. <laughs> and I had my own breakdowns throughout that experience where I went, like, wow, okay, I need to actually take my own learning seriously. I'm not above anybody else. We're all the same. So I had a lot of humbleness be, uh, for lack of a better word, slapped into me. Yeah. yeah. And in the process, I started educating myself with a lot of the courses we have at Mind Valley to realize that we have genuinely amazing programs. Um, for me, I know one of the biggest ones that came at that turning point was Neil Donald Walsh's course, mm -hmm. which is called Awaken the Species. Uh, it talks about how you have 16 behaviors for the most highly evolved beings, and a lot of it talks about compassion, talks about what, what does it mean to love, what does it mean to be unity, what is our purpose for living, and bring a lot of that spirituality. Because you know, beyond mindfulness, which is kind of the hot topic right now, uh, we firmly believe that the next wave is going to be spirituality. Mm -hmm. And getting into contact with that at Mind Valley has been a huge kind of benefit for me as far as firming up my own identity, understanding a bit more what's this journey I'm on on this planet. And like I said, bringing a lot of humbleness in the process. <laughs> yeah, that's an important lesson to learn for sure. Um, I'd like to talk a bit about your guys' love week. Mm. And uh, I, I heard about this and I was blown away and then I looked it up and saw a video on it and it looked really amazing. So if you don't mind sharing, what is love week with the audience? Yeah. So love week is a movement, which is not just unique to Mind Valley. We, we kind of started it off and now we make it as a campaign where we want to recruit as many companies that do it the same week as us as I possible. Didn't know that part. Yeah, cool. it's yeah. super cool. And so what happens is the week before uh, everybody picks a human and we're all becoming secret angels. And what happens is you pick that human and for that entire week you just shower that person with love whether you want to write notes of gratitude you want to buy small gifts you want to have someone else go do a gesture of appreciation and they don't know who you are they don't know who you are yeah. until the end of the week you can choose to reveal yourself fact is majority of us reveal ourselves by the end of the week but throughout that week you don't know who's doing it to you so and you know what's fascinating about it is being in the place where you're receiving so much love. Like I have people bringing me a coffee in the morning. I have people doing like littering my desk with notes of like, you're awesome. We love you. And it's just like, it just makes you feel so good to see how much love is coming your way. But that's not the best part. Mm -hmm. The best part is the giving. Yeah. yeah. It's like plotting on how you're going to be <laughs> surprising this person with love uh, and then knowing that they don't know. And my, okay, hopefully the employees at My Valley don't know this, but I always make sure that I make an appearance myself as a fake deliver of a good on uh -huh. behalf of the angel to my actual human. Uh, yeah. So I'll actually go to the person and I'll say, your angel asked me to do this, but it's actually me. <laughs> right. That's my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fascinating. You have the entire company uh, just, you know, f okay. Fact is, does productivity go up during that week or down? What do you think? Um, you know, the first thing most people would think I would say is down, but knowing you guys, I would imagine productivity, and I would imagine it goes up. No, it goes down. Does it? Okay. It goes down. Yeah. Absolutely. But what you don't realize is all the weeks after that become the most productive ever. Could imagine. So it's kind of like an investment into your team for rapid 
uh, productivity for the rest of the months to come. And actually, we do it one day, once a year. Um, and it's so crazy. That week, yeah, productivity goes a bit down because, like, sometimes at 3 o'clock, like, people have, like, a, like, we'll go give a massage instead of, you know, working on a report, right? So there's a bit of a productivity dip. But the benefits that come across the weeks after is insane because now everybody trusts each other more. Everybody's more loving. Everything moves more. Like, communication just happens so much better. I'm sure you guys have studied the science behind that, that – that week and what it creates um, within unity and collaboration. Can you expand on that more if, if you're familiar with it? Well, I know the works of uh, Sean Aker, um, and I think it's called The Happiness Advantage. Uh, and it's just how having a best friend at work is actually what makes you the most productive. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, one of the biggest key elements to make you the most engaged employee is knowing that you have a best friend at work. And going through a process like Love Week, you end up making a lot of best friends. Yeah. Um, and just the whole happiness advantage. If you're happy doing what you're doing at work, you know, you're going to see retention goes up, productivity goes up, and people just genuinely feel like you are an employee who cares about them. Um, oh, I wish I... Uh, I hope this is his name. I think it's Bill Jensen, um, who wrote a book, The Future of Work. We might have to see what this name is. I think I've heard of the book. Yeah, The Future of Work. And he talks about, you know, the top employers, if you talk about maybe 20 years ago up to almost now, um, they were looking for employees that were going to be engaged in the mission and the vision of the company. But what we're seeing now is companies need to equally invest in the mission and the vision of individuals. And one thing that happens during Love Week is everybody goes to see. We have this wall called the uh, three most important questions, mm -hmm. which is an exercise everybody does when they join Mindvalley, where you write what are the experiences you want to have, what is the growth you want to experience, and then what is the contribution you want to make. And during Love Week, we all go and see that person that is our human, and we go see what are the things that you know, we call the blueprint to their soul. Uh -huh. And now we can start paying attention to what is it that makes them tick. And if there's any act that you can do that will help them get closer to those goals, they understand how the company and everybody is invested in their goals. And so again, your engagement goes through the roof. Can you give us some examples of maybe some most memorable uh, goals for your person and then also some of the, the gifts that you received? So I know for me, uh, one thing that I thought was really cute is someone paid attention to my own, um, my own behaviors and what I like to do. And one of them was right, racing go-karts. Okay. And that person actually went and drew a map of a famous go-kart race in Australia and just wrote a message saying like, hey, I know that you really like go-kart racing. Uh, here's a map of when the famous and gave me a little toy car. And to me, like, the fact is I couldn't really use this map. I didn't really, like, it's not something that was necessarily practical or useful, but the act of paying attention to who I am, what I like, and then deliver me a, a gift that was handmade and took a lot of effort to create was one of the most touching things I've seen someone do. Yeah, I was like, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> and then from there, one of the things I remember doing is during the love, actually, so I'm mixing two events because there's Love Week and then there's also Female Appreciation Day and Male Appreciation Day, ah, cool. which are two other events that we do. Um, and now I don't, I'm trying to find an example from Love Week that I've done. A lot of times, like, it's just... I like going all out on a single day where it'll be like, okay, let's get the flowers, let's get the teddy bears, let's write all the notes. I've had like everybody, like 50 people write notes to that one person and go and deliver it and just say, you're awesome. And then that person's like, wow, so much love is coming in. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I talk about the goals, I don't know if it's in relation to Love Week specifically, but I want to talk about uh, an, uh, one of the things that I know is amazing is Vision actually pays attention to a lot of these things. And when he sees people that want to do public speaking, he actually went ahead and organized a public speaking workshop and then like let everybody knew, know that in their growth, public speaking was a skill 
he let them know we're doing this workshop for you or he would buy them a book about a certain skill they wanted to learn uh, and there was also 14 people that when they looked into each other's goals one of the experiences was to hike in the Himalayas and then they all were able to get together and go hiking together um, so those are some of the more memorable more uh, things that have happened one thing for me that was interesting is I did my three most important questions five years ago and Vision actually now sometimes pulls up my three most important questions at his events to show the ones that I've scratched off I had forgotten a lot of the things I wrote down and then the, I went back to look at him like oh my god I have so many of these things that have been scratched off subconsciously yes and I'm like amazed by that and so for me I know that being a part of Mind Valley and seeing that those things are being scratched off makes me realize that I'm at the right place yeah, yeah absolutely that's incredible. I had this experience where I did the same thing. I did a 48-hour solo in Northern California at this uh, uh, ranch called um, the Sci Seminar Ranch, which ironically was the same ranch where Landmark started or the company that, that uh, became Landmark started 40 years ago or whatever. And I wrote down, this was in 2007, always remember the big adventure that you would take. And then I closed it. And it, they told us to put it away for two years and then look at it two years later. I didn't look at it two years later. I looked at it like four or five years later. And I opened it after I had just come back. Um, I had spent two years abroad. I had just come back from Peru. And I did this project in Peru where I raised a bunch of money and brought a team to Peru to um, start the, um, the foundation of a farm, a sustainable farm for malnourished kids in Peru. And, and I'd finished, we'd finished that project. It was a great success. And I came back and I was digging through my, the stuff in my parents' basement and uh, I opened this up and it said, always remember the big adventure that you take. Completely forgot about it. And there it was, I was right in the middle of it. Just, I'd just done this project. You know, I was about to go to Spain, walk the Camino de Santiago. And I was just, wow, I'm in the, holy cow, this stuff really works. And it's, it's amazing how it does. So, uh, something that's also really Really cool. Okay, so so tell me what those three questions um, were for you. Okay, so they got experiences, which are just things that you want to experience in your life that would be really cool. For me, I had things like um, speak on a stage, a famous stage, and do you know impact lives that way. Mm -hmm. And for me, I got put on the AFES stage. Uh, and the way I got there was not just because, oh, you're Jason. Yeah, you go on the stage because you work for Valley. No, I was rejected so many times. Yeah. Really? And then I went to Vision. I'm like, put me on the stage. I'll be your best speaker. He's like, oh, you know, you're great. But, you know, we need to have world-class speakers on that stage. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then I kept practicing the speech. I went to like Toastmasters locally. Uh -huh. I, I rehearsed it. I practiced it. And I acted as if I was going on that stage regardless. And then we got to, uh, got to um, Croatia. And then one of the speakers, his visa got declined and couldn't come anymore. So there was an open spot. And then they're like, okay, we need another speaker. I go, I'm like, I'm prepared. I'm ready. I can jump on stage anytime. They're like, well, we're going to look. There's another speaker here that we need to consider. I'm like, if you don't put me on stage, you're going to regret it. I'll do the best talk you'll ever see. Uh -huh. And um, and then what happened is I ended up at the end, they're like, fine, we're just going to do it. <sighs> fine, we'll just put Jason on. And <laughs> nobody was excited about that idea. Right. But I was like, I was ready. So I got up on that stage, and out of the 20-minute talks that were happening there, I got voted best talk. Really? Yeah. And wow. so that was a really cool moment for me. And so for the public speaking, that was a big thing. Uh, second one that I had on my experiences list um, was actually to get an executive assistant. I've watched Suits. I wanted a, Don <laughs> I wanted a Donna in my life. <laughs> and so um, I just looked at it recently, and a decision I made last year is get myself a virtual assistant. 
And I, I wasn't in relation to that goal at all. I'd forgotten about it. But now I have uh, Christina who works with me and she's amazing. Like she WhatsApps me everything that is urgent. She handles all my emails. She'll do any research projects. So I have my executive assistant. Beautiful. And I'm like, oh, that happened way quicker than I thought. And uh, the other thing is uh, being able to fly business class wherever I want to go. And, you know, it happened maybe a year ago. One of my colleagues is like, hey, you should really figure out this point system on flights because you're flying all the time. And I had never taken the time to s figure that out. And just out of coming back home, I'll be at a certain class level on uh, Malaysian Airlines that now I get like free upgrades and I start being able to use points to be able to upgrade the business class oftentimes. So I'm like, wow, this is getting pretty real. Um, not fully there yet, but at least that was one that I, I remember. I was like, wow, okay, this is coming up very fast. Um, now on the growth side, um, one of the things I wanted to do is become a better public speaker. And out of that, um, Valley actually sent me to a public speaking training uh, this summer. And uh, where I used to kind of think of myself like a 10 out of 10 speaker, I went to this training that was so fantastic that I ended up leaving there feeling like a 6 out of 10 speaker. Okay. Because okay. I understood what could be possible. Ah, interesting. Okay. So that was amazing. So on the growth side, I know that was a big significant one. And on the contribution, the one that I, I never forget is, uh, I think it's literally written down as get rid of douchebag marketers. <laughs> What's that? that what that define means, that for what us. I define is I want to be able to work for a company that is so ethical in the way they promote their products that genuinely transform people's lives, that nobody who markets for the sake of taking advantage of people in their down situations or whatever have you mm. uh, don't have a place to exist because the market will recognize that it is not genuine and alternative products will exist. Um, That's amazing. And that comes from my story of going through that real estate experience of learning that everything that I had learned wasn't that good. Yeah. Uh, I don't wish that upon anybody else. And I don't want a space for those people to exist in a marketplace. Right. right. You feel that exists in Mind Valley. Yes. Yeah. That's why I'm there. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. One thing I know that you guys are really, uh, like Vision and the team is really focused on and attentive to specifics. And you were mentioning earlier kind of the SOPs that you set up for the teams. I wonder if you can elaborate that a little bit better because you say somebody comes to the team and everything is played out. You know, they they know what exactly what they need to do because – Someone's there either to assist them or they have a manual to go to. Um, but for all parts of that, like what is the, the, the regulation or the model or the, the creation behind those systems and SOPs in Mind Valley? Yeah, so uh, we use a tool called Confluence, and it's a knowledge management system, although we might be considering moving uh, to Google Sites because I heard they've had a lot of innovations that might make it still useful for us. Um, but what happens is you want to have documentation on everything that you do. Um, so that there's organizational knowledge that gets built upon. So every time we do a launch, not only do we document everything that happens within, let's say, that launch, but you also have a DNA. And the DNA is really important because that's the standard formula that you replicate for every time you do, for example, a launch. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something we do 24 times a year. Mm -hmm. Most people you know, go around and do one launch a year. Right. Right. We have a machine where people, we can take someone that's quite new on the team, say, here's the DNA. Here is your buddy that you've been assigned to. And then everything is documented there. Here's how you actually raise tickets to all your designers to get all your copy done, to get all the video tickets out. Here's how you describe that. Everything is well documented there. So anyone can come in, pick up those templates, and start doing a product launch that could get up to a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty powerful of a tool to learn that. Um, all the other teams, they all have that. 
without those documentations, which is the DNA and the actual stuff that need to be executed. And the DNA almost, it's not a training manual. It's more of like a standard operations procedure. Um, some teams also have their own training manuals on how to get you up to speed. And what's been one of the more interesting innovations recently is we started another type of document called the envisioning doc. Mm -hmm. Envisioning being one of the values of Mindvalley. It's a document of all the innovations you want to bring to any kind of process or any kind of department in the company. And so anybody can have access to it. Anybody can add to it. And it's anybody who picks up anything they feel could be innovated on the process. Okay. Because oftentimes, if you're doing this DNA and this documentation, it stays static. And now you, you, you hold back innovation because you wanted to standardize the processes. Right. Our envisioning docs is what pushes the innovation forward. And so when you look at that, you can prioritize what innovations you want to implement into the DNA over the next month. You go and test it. If it works, it becomes a part of the DNA. And so the envisioning docs feeds into a better DNA, and then the DNA makes it that it's replicable. That's genius. Yeah. If you were going to build a remote team, say you left Mind Valley and you were going to build fully remote, what uh, would you take from Mindvalley? And I'm sure a lot of things, but maybe uh, two or three key things that you would take from your experience in Mindvalley. Because um, it would be more difficult to do a love week with a remote team, but possible, right? Um, so what what are some of the biggest things that you would take from your experience in Mindvalley and apply to a fully remote team? Yeah, so for a fully remote team, the biggest thing for us is kind of our meeting cadences. Um, I would recommend a book uh, from Cameron Herald called Meetings Suck. <laughs> um, because he takes uh, a lot of the concepts which are found in the Rockefeller Habits, uh, which is a Vern Harnish methodology, um, where you have a cadence of meetings that should happen on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, annual basis. Um, so one of the biggest things I would do with a remote team for one is have those cadence of meetings. We have a daily scrum where everybody comes together and just talks about like, what are we doing? Um, what's what's any roadblocks I have? Who do I need to talk to after? The whole Mind Valley team or is like marketing department or? All of the head of departments okay. and anybody else who wishes to attend. Okay. Um, so we end up being maybe around 40 people that comes around a circle and then everyone has their department. So like, um, you know, our, our KPIs go first. Then we have like our designs and creative teams. Then we have our marketing teams. Then we have our logistics, uh, kind of like HR, uh, HR finance, legal, Everybody goes and takes a turn and it's like, okay, um, for example, I would go and be like, okay, I'm, uh, I'm talking with the authors. We're going to be doing a back-end deal around this. I know you guys are launching in two weeks, so we'll be talking right after so I can schedule the mailing dates. Mm -hmm. Done. So every day at 1130, everybody meets. That communication flows really fast. And for anything that needs someone like Vision or any senior leader to be there to make an approval, they'll be like, okay, we have this thing that's a roadblock. We need approval with you. Vision will go, okay, schedules five minutes with everybody that needs it, and everything flows. So there's no roadblocks. The daily Scrum is a very uh, valuable part. Then uh, the weekly cadence of meetings, uh, which is every team has kind of a FaceTime or a strategy circle where everybody talks about these innovations or big things that we want to change. Um, and then we have our A report, uh, the awesomeness report. Okay. Uh, this is where all staff meetings celebrates the victories every week. Um, so those are a lot of habits. And, and if you read Meeting Sucks or you study the Rockefeller habit or, um, or Scaling Up by... Uh, Vern Harnish. Those are amazing baseline books that build a lot of the habits we have at Mind Valley that I would encourage every company to also look into. Um, so that's one. For a remote team, you know, it's interesting because that's been one of the big initiatives we've had as a company this year. Because we had our Mind Valley U in Estonia a couple weeks ago, right. we had half the team start working remote. 
Um, so we actually started uh, building habits, which is be remote first. So being that we're on the Google suite uh, of products, then we make sure that every time there's a meeting, there's always a Hangout or a Google Meet that's set up. Uh, we have the proper microphones in place, the proper video broadcasting system. So if you're running a remote team, I think making sure that you have the right infrastructure so everyone who's remote doesn't feel like they're really left out, that you genuinely feel like they're present. Yeah. Um, so for us, that's another thing. Uh, that was really good because we had a lot more people start being remote. So if I had to bring a remote team, I'd also make sure the infrastructure is there to support remote teams, whether it's Google Docs being used as you know document management, uh, the right tools, making sure that all the tools are accessible for things to flow. And Mindvalley provides a lot of that. Uh, for remote teams, what else is brilliant? A lot of these habits, like these culture days that we have, um, for example, we have over 48 ethnicities or like different nationalities, I should rather say, uh, that are present within Mind Valley. And so we have culture days. Mm -hmm. So we have India Day, Canada Day, America Day. Um, and I think I would implement that even with a remote team. Uh -huh. And so that, you know, if you have somebody who's from Peru, then it's like, okay, let's have a Peru day. And then on that day, if you're having a meeting, everyone should like dress in a way that represents <laughs> Peru. Um, and then that you could have like trivia about Peru and then just bring a lot of cultural awareness awareness. Um, I know this isn't about productivity, but I think one of the best things as far as an experience working for Mind Valley is having a better understanding of so many different cultures around the world. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's and huge, it yeah. gives you a lot more compassion to understand what happens. Like if something happens in Iran, like I have coworkers from Iran and I like that. I now care so much more. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a beautiful thing just from being a more compassionate human being. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of the I'd say there's the the this also comes from uh, scaling up, but we have the one-page strategic plan, okay. uh, which is a business plan of like what are your objectives, like what are the thrusts you have in three years, what are the things you want to do this year, what are the things you need to do this quarter, what are the things that need to be done this month. That structure allows everybody to be on the right the same page of what are the actual priorities. Um, so honestly, a lot of what I'm t talking about are the things that we've learned from scaling up. Uh, I couldn't encourage anybody else more to go through that process because it gives you the framework, whether you're remote or not remote, of how to make sure that everybody's always aligned on the same priorities. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where we've taken a lot of our own habits from an organizational perspective. And if you look into Gazelles uh, and all those, uh, those groups around Vern Harnish, it's brilliant stuff for any entrepreneur. Do you think that's one thing that's maybe a barrier for a lot of entrepreneurs is uh, to get to the next level in their business? Like say if they're five, five figures want to get to six or six to seven? I think a big people a big part for people is to understand that the game kind of changes once you start managing a payroll. Um, and especially if you're going remote, it's not as bad. You're still dealing with kind of like contractor status. But I think a lot of people hesitate to really what if you're not doing remote? What if you're actually building an office? What if you actually start building the roots that are necessary? Like, how important is the mission that you're on? Okay, you have a business. How important is it for you to make the impact that you want to do with the business that you have? It's the most important. Is it truly going to transform lives ridiculously? Well, in some instances, remote is not always the best and effective way to do it. Right. So would you consider setting up a brick and mortar office? Would you compromise your freedom for the mission that you're on? If not, how serious is your mission? I would challenge listeners on this um, because I understand, you know, the digital nomad lifestyle is great. But if you're focused on impact and growing the business, sometimes you'll make decisions that might be at the compromise of your freedom. And understanding where you stand on that would be what prevents you or enables you to hire people. Because if you're someone that values their freedom more 
than the impact, you might not be able to get the top types of employees that you would need to really scale it to the next level. So I think that's a big resistance that some people could find. Yeah. Um, and in the process of starting to understand that, hey, I don't need to deal with clients anymore, I need to deal with employees, is a whole other level of responsibility. Um, so I think that holds some people back. Uh, but if you have that strong why as to what you're doing, I think you shouldn't go and hold back on that. I think you should invest as much as possible to bring the mission forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you personally, outside of working in Mind Valley and with Mind Valley, uh, what are some ways that you stay productive in your own life? Well, I'm actually quite grateful that I have access to a lot of tools that are supporting yeah. me with Mind Valley. To be honest, like some of the products we have, uh, for example, we have Lifebook. Yeah. Um, this is one of the products where we divide our lives into 12 categories and you start understanding what are your beliefs, what is your vision, why that vision is important, and what strategies you have to get you there. And so the first time I did that exercise was interesting because I ended up seeing that most of my whys were how others perceive me. Interesting. And I found myself looking for a lot of external validation. Wow. Okay. And then going through a second iteration is when I was able to see that mirrored back to me. And so now I've updated my book and I see what are the things that are important to me and what do I want to develop on. And with that, I've set myself up. Um, and this, again, was a train that was provided by Mindvalley. We went through one where we set our three-year goals. Our, the same methodology that I'm talking to you about in business, in Lifebook, we also do that on a accountability basis of how do you want your life to be. And in the process, I got together with three guys and we do weekly accountability calls. And with that, we look at what we've set as goals for the year. Three guys in Mind Valley. Well, w one of them has left Mind Valley in the process. Okay. And the second person is also going to be leaving Mind Valley in the process. Okay. And here's what's interesting: is Mind Valley supports us to really find our journey. Yeah. And in the process of setting our goals so clearly, one gentleman who realized, "Hey, I think I'm looking for something else now," and that's great. Because you understand if that person had an inner calling that's pushing them outside of Mind Valley, again, you don't need to fire. They found themselves yeah. wanting to leave. And that's amazing. He's still one of our accountability, uh, in our accountability group, which is not managed by Mind Valley at all. It's all self-organized. This is one thing that keeps me accountable every week. I look at what my my monthly goals are. I have to meet with these guys every week. And they're like, how, how is your weekly one thing? Are you doing your daily habits? What are you doing this quarter? Uh, in the process, I ended up signing up to a Spartan race with one of my <laughs> accountability friends because I set health and fitness to be at a certain goal by the end of the year. It just makes sense now. It makes my decision easy to sign up to something so ridiculous because it'll be a yardstick to my progress I've made so far. Um, so that's something that makes me look at every area of my life and really drive it forward very rapidly. And so our growth through that has been amazing. What are some of your uh, other goals? You know, you told you told us your fitness goal, but like maybe spiritual, mental, um, emotional goal right now. Um, and then we'll have one more question to wrap things up. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of the goals that I've set for this year is actually discovering the spirituality side. Um, that's something I never looked at before. It's not even something I want to touch with a 10-foot pole. Um, <laughs> and it kind of came to me face to face. And I started really starting questioning like, okay, what's the purpose of life? What, what's my journey here supposed to mean? Um, what is, is there a God? What is this purpose of the universe? I started going deep into those questions. And I kind of left that place where I felt like I knew it all. And I kind of went to that place where I realized I knew nothing. And honestly, it's like I've, I've been on this journey where I've set the goal within my own program with Lifebook. One of them was self-awareness and self-mastery. 
And the more I go down this rabbit hole, the more it like makes me question a lot of the things I perceive as realities. Um, it's been a fascinating journey to go through that. And so one of the things just, I, there's no goal to it, but it's a journey that I continuously push on is just reading more literature about it, you know, challenging a lot of my own concepts of what is this reality? Why are we here? Has brought me to a place where I start having a lot more peace in my life. Um, because I had this kind of insane drive, which is like, okay, I need to make more money. I need to do more of this. I need to more, do more of that. And then at some point you're like, what's, what's the point? And not that it's going through this journey has stopped me in any way. It's actually accelerated me in my journey and, and figuring out what I want in life. It's just coming with a very different energy. Yeah. It's not as much as like, oh, I need this because then I'll be that. It's more of understanding. I can be whatever I need to be whenever I want to, but this would be really fun. And so I continue to push that way because I think it makes it a wonderful journey. Um, so the spiritual side I've driven a lot on. Um, another one of my big goals for the year um, is actually about, about setting down my roots. Although I've hesitated with this one, I kind of have a duality about it, but I've been looking to buy a house on a lake. Interesting, okay. And in the process, I'm like, one of my sides is like, no, don't, don't put your roots down. You need to stay digitally nomad. <laughs> but then I'm like, you know what? I'd really love to have a chance to have this lake house where I can have like a wakeboarding boat and it's just like my place with a library that's peaceful. There's like ducks flying over a lake. And so I'm drawn to this as well. So I'm actually researching into this with a possible relocation to Estonia. Uh, and I've already been contacting people that would get me in touch with the real estate world there mm -hmm. and see if this type of property exists. Very cool. um, and you know, on the health and, and finance area, um, that one I've actually not started prioritizing, although I have started a business in collaboration with Valley, where I've designed these meditation headphones, which are really cool. Um, they're nice as hell. And uh, and so I've started selling those on collaboration with a licensing deal with Valley. And that's really one thing that I find really cool is Vision's always open to someone who's pushing initiatives that aligns with the brand and enli enlightens a entrepreneurial spirit. That's incredible. So that's been amazing. And then... Uh, I have my own money blocks. I think everybody, no matter where you are on the journey, there's always something you can dig out. Mm -hmm. So with the accountability group, we all booked our tickets to go to that Millionaire Mind Intensive, which is the Har Harvick. Yeah, he doesn't teach it anymore, but yeah. I've done it before, but we're like, let's all fly to Hanoi. So we all flew, <laughs> like we all booked tickets. And one of the best things I've had to do is with my one of my accountability partners, which ends up being Ezekiel, uh, the H CHRO okay. I was talking about. He's never flown business class. And so I used my points, and that's, again, tying up to one of my experiences. I've always wanted to be able to tell my buddy, let's not even look at the price, bought some business tickets, and we're going to go there just to go for a weekend of understanding our limits about money. It's uh -huh. the best way to get started. <laughs> and so I'm super excited about that. And Q4, all of us in the group, we all said Q4 is our money-making month right or quarter. Um, so that's going to be an exciting piece. That's in incredible. And when you – are those headphones launched? Yeah, they are. Like if that. you just go to gear.mindvalley.com, okay. uh, gear.mindvalley.com, you can check them out uh, they're 139 okay. and they're just amazing i have limited stock so i don't know when this episode is being aired or okay. what when you're listening to this might be in the vast future but they're amazing headphones check them out amazing jason i think we're going to wrap up there i want to say thank you so much for joining the show thank you for sharing your tips and tricks and all the wisdom that you've picked up along the way and what's in, uh, in store for the future. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here, Chris. And thank you everybody for listening. This was a pleasure. And if the listeners want to reach out and find more about you or what's going on, is there any place they can do that at? The easiest way to find me is actually J-A-S Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L-1-7 -L -L for everything.
Perfect. You want to reach an that. email, you want to reach it in LinkedIn, you want to reach to Facebook, Instagram, that's what the cat code is. Jason so Jace, Campbell 17. Jace Campbell 17. Jace Campbell 17. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes too. Uh, again, thank you so much. And listeners, we're going to wrap up there. That's our episode for the day. And goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.